Well, welcome to this moment in our journey, and we want to welcome our new worship leader, Matt, Matt, Andrew Fry. <laughs> that, was the, that was the old guy. Andrew Fry. Let's welcome Andrew and his wife, Melissa. And we're so delighted. Thanks. You can have a seat. Uh, Andrew and Melissa are new to our team. They have been helping us as interim leaders uh, since the, the end of May, the beginning of June. And uh, Andrew's been serving as the financial officer of Central Church of the Nazarene, and he told them that he's going to come over to Davison Free Methodist Church. And, uh, and, <laughs> and so in a, in a couple of weeks, that will be uh, his full-time gig with us right here. Uh, have you ever gotten, I think they call it an earworm, a song in your head that you can't get out? And sometimes it's not, a, you know, it's not the best. It's not like that one. That was such an awesome song. But uh, we've had the grandkids at our house lately. Have I mentioned my grandkids? And the two youngest ones, you know, they're the little ones. They're four and two. And they love to sing. And so we sing all the time. And sometimes we sing, you know, Jesus loves me or Jesus loves the little children. Or uh, I will make you fishers of men. Kalia, the two-year-old, that's like her favorite. She gets into that one. And uh, so the songs are running through our head, you know. And then we'll sing just kids' songs, you know, like, Old MacDonald had a farm. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. Let's do that again. Old MacDonald had a farm. And on this farm he had some. <laughs> and so you get that stuck in there. You get that going. And then you can't shake it, right? Did you know that the tune for Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, How I Wonder What You Are, is the same as A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, I know you knew that. But anyway, um, so you get those things going, and then you can't get them out. The only way to get them out is to get another song in, okay? When you get another song in, you get the old song out. Um, I read a fantastic book on dealing with uh, temptation and sin and the struggle that we have with that. It's called Getting to... No, N-O. How do you get from where you are, wherever you are to being able to say no? And in the book, uh, Pastor Lutzer from uh, Moody Church in Chicago, it's a fabulous book. You're going to hear a lot about it in the next nine weeks, okay? Uh, he says to think about the number eight. Okay, so let's all think about the number eight, you know, how it is with those two circles and then, you know, and you kind of subscribe. Um, Scribe it with your finger, you know, the number eight. You really get the number eight locked in there. You got it? Now, don't think about the number eight. Like, whatever you do, don't think about eight, right? Think about anything but eight. How you doing? Uh, you, uh, the only way to not think about eight is to think about something completely different. Think about the last really good scoop of ice cream that you had this summer. Think about the hamburger or the hot dog or both that you're going to have for lunch today, right? You, you think about something completely different, and you lean into that, and before long, you won't be thinking about the number eight. And he takes that illustration and applies it to our spiritual journey, because here's what I know. A lot of times we try to overcome the temptations around us and the sins that, as Scripture says, so easily beset us. I mean, does God know us or what? 
There tends to be one or two things that keep happening over and over. We say we won't do it again, but we do. And when we're fighting those battles against those particular things, one of the things we often do is fixate on it. By trying not to lust, we think about lust and sexual things and those images begin to preoccupy us and we become obsessed instead of becoming free. You know, we all like our stuff, right? We all have nice stuff and some of us wish we had more stuff and better stuff and trying to resist the pull of greed and envy is not as easy as it sounds and sometimes the more we push against it and focus on it, the more it begins to obsess and dominate our hearts and minds. So here's the deal. About three months ago, I had taken a day away and was praying about what God wanted to say to us as a church. And during that time, I felt like the Spirit whispered into my life, get some people together. Uh, so I, I asked a few friends. And different people, different ages, different stages. And we spent time together right across the hall here, a couple of hours, and we talked about like about eight different possible teaching series that we could do. And the one that came to the top was this one. And at first the conversation was, well, maybe we should talk about the seven deadly sins. You ever heard that phrase? The seven deadly sins? Aren't they all deadly? <laughs> yeah, they all are. But uh, about 1500 A.D., a group of very serious Christ followers began to ask the question, what is sin really like for all of us? Like, if we were to think about it, pray about it, study it, be honest about how temptation grips our hearts and, and what we do with it, and there would be some patterns there. One, one illustration they give is there, we, would see, we would see sin like a tree, and the trunk is all sin and selfishness, and from that trunk, there would come seven branches. And from those seven branches would come any number of other twigs and branches and leaves and fruit. And the seven branches are the kinds of sins that tend to trip most people up, if we're really, really honest about it. And so in the program today, there is a list but the list is not of the sins. The list is of the solution. Because just like the earwig song or the number eight, when we're trying to overcome the, the sinful temptations of life, it, better than concentrating on what's wrong, we need to concentrate on what's right. We need to ask God to help us to find the solutions. Because I love the scripture text that uh, God has placed among us for this season. Uh, let's go back to that one again. 1 John chapter 5. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Would you read that last one out loud with me? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. It centers in Christ. It centers in faith. And I love the fact that it's current, present tense, the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We can overcome the evil one, we can overcome temptation. It says we can overcome the world by living in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. So 
when they're talking about these scholars who got together and studied and said, well, there's seven deadly sins. There are seven branches to this tree. And they are pride and greed and sloth and lust and gluttony and envy and wrath or anger that's out of control. And some of those kind of seem funny and ancient and not terminology that we commonly use. But as we think about them and study them, we discover that, yeah, that's, that's right. Those, those really are patterns that recur in people's lives. But the cool thing is, each one of those has an equal and opposite, in fact, a greater virtue that God wants to put into our heart. So as we lean into this together, here's the deal. We are going to ask God to build our souls with the good, with the, with the solution, with the virtues that overcome the sins. So what overcomes pride? Turn to the back of today's program. Take it out. And on the back, there is a list. And uh, this is just kind of orientation for the weeks to come. There's also this. If you could take it out, this is a bookmark for you to keep with you. It'll remind you of where we're going in each week coming up, the date on each topic. So the solution to pride, we overcome pride with humility. We overcome greed with generosity. We overcome sloth with diligence. We overcome lust with purity and gluttony with self-control and envy with contentment and wrath or anger with forgiveness. And as we lean into those, we begin to see the transforming power of God in our lives because our theme's text says the one who overcomes the world, the one who overcomes evil, the one who overcomes sin is the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Present tense, believes. Now most of us who've gone to church for very long, we know that there's this opportunity to choose Jesus, to make a decision of faith. To say, today, I believe that Jesus is the Christ and I want to invite him to be my leader and forgiver. And I hope you've done that. But the key to overcoming sin is not just to have done that somewhere sometime in the past. It's to live it today. It's he who believes, the one who believes. Okay? I hope you've been baptized. That's a huge step of, of initiation as a Christian. It should, it should be something we all do as followers of Christ early in our journey. But baptism, as powerful and important as it is, uh, doesn't mean that today you are in the right place with God today because it's the one who believes, the one who lives out their baptism today, the one who lives out their walk with Jesus Christ, their faith in Jesus Christ today so that we are overcomers today. And as we look forward to the journey that God is going to take us on together, just think what could happen in your life if God would give you an increased measure of purity, contentment, forgiveness. Like if, if you've changed, you know. <laughs> Some people say, Glenn, why, why, do you, why does the church keep doing this? Week in, week out. You get up there, you know, you talk, everybody kind of smiles and nods, and nobody pays any attention. Everybody just goes home and does what they always have done. 
And I said, well, if, if that's what I thought, then I wouldn't do this. I do this because I believe God changes lives. And I believe it matters what we do here. And I believe that there's a voice speaking today that's bigger than my voice. And that voice is talking to some of us already about stuff. The stuff that trips us up, the sin that so easily besets us. And if we listen to that voice, and if we lean into the power of the Spirit of God in our lives, and we cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit, we'll change. That's why we do this. That's why we're here today. That by the power of Jesus Christ, by the power of His Holy Spirit, we'll become more like Him. Anybody want to be more like Him? Anybody need to be more like Him? Because here's the deal. The thing about sin is, the thing about the seven deadly sins, it's not deadly to sin. We've all done it. No one could be saved if it was deadly to sin. It's deadly to deny we've sinned. It's deadly to pretend we don't sin. It's, it, it's deadly to live in sort of a constant sense of frustration and defeat and denial. That'll, that'll kill you. And there are some of us who think, you know, well, if I can just kind of get by in my Christian walk and, and, and struggle and stumble and fall and, and stay enslaved and defeated and nobody finds out, then I'll be fine. Well, that might be the worst thing that could happen. You'll stay stuck. long time ago, when I was a young believer, somebody took me to the Old Testament story of Samson. You ever hear of Samson? Well, what was notable about Samson? Samson was very strong, strongest man in the world, right? And so Samson, but Samson had a weakness despite all his strength. You know what his weakness was? Women. <laughs> well, hair maybe. Women, women. And uh, he had a roving eye and and he had a, a lustful heart, and, uh, and he got in a ton of trouble, and it ate him up, and it beat him up. And the, the, the thing that, that this friend of mine uh, talked to me about was he said, now look at, look at the end of Samson's life. The enemies have captured him, and they have gouged out his eyes, and they have lashed him to this wheel in this grist mill so that he's like an animal because he's so strong he can turn it all by himself. And that's how he spends his last days. Sin binds, sin blinds, and sin grinds. And we don't think it's all that big a deal. I mean, as long as it's not the big stuff. <laughs> as long as we don't break a law, you know what I mean? As long as we don't make headlines. What, what's the problem? I, years ago, Nancy and I used to travel professionally doing music ministry, and we had a bus. <laughs> it's pretty cool to have a bus, you know what I mean? We had a bus, and we'd go from concert to concert in the bus, and, and most of the time we'd listen to Christian music, and then every once in a while we kind of got, you know, a little tired of that. And I remember so distinctly that a couple of the team members would say, okay, let's have a little sin music because <laughs> we need a breather you know what i mean we're tired of being good all the time right and uh, you know it's kind of a joke but it stuck with me because i think that's the way a lot of people live 
you know, sin is really not that big a deal. And if I just kind of indulge a little now and then, I mean, come on. You know, if I don't indulge a little bit on the, on the dark side of my sexuality, then, you know, how am I going to really have any fun? You know, if I, if I don't really uh, let my anger out, after all, I'm right and they're wrong. And, you know, people are bugging me and driving me crazy. If I don't vent, I don't blast people now and then. I mean, you know, and, and that, that could go all the way to, like, you know, swearing at your kids and doing things that are so, so, so wounding and harmful. But we don't see it. We don't get it. One of the most powerful texts in all the Bible is in John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Now, does anybody want to have life and have it to the full? Is that a great verse? Don't you love that? And Pastor Gary, that was one of Pastor Gary's favorite verses. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. But remember the other part. Sin and the enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy. And if you let that stuff get a hold of you and get away on you, that's exactly what it does. It steals your joy. You know, a bad conscience and keep you awake at night. Steal and kill, it'll kill the life that you feel. And and destroy all kinds of destroy it can destroy you, it can destroy your family, it can destroy your reputation. I mean, I guess if I was to really try to get us to see the seriousness of sin, I would point to the cross. It's what nailed Jesus there. My sin. Not, not just your sin, my sin. Tim Keller is an awesome pastor, pastors of church in the New York City area, and great author. I listened to him the other day when he taught about sin and its consequences. And uh, he took the, the congregation to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Uh, you can check this out, Jeremiah chapter 2, okay? And, and every week in this series, I'm going to give you some scripture and some practice to work on during that week. And you don't have to do a thing with it. You know, you can go home and say, well, that was interesting. Or you can lean into it. Or you can decide, you know, I'm going to go on the Facebook page or the church's page. Or I'm going to get on the email list and I'm going to read those devotions and I'm going to ask God to do something transforming in my life because I can't wait to see what God can do. I can't wait to see what God can do, God, what God will do. So Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13 uh, this is the word of the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. God is the, the spring of living water. He is the source of life, life and life to the full. Has anybody been to the splash pad at Lake Callis, the new one? Well, come on, we got to have some fun, all right? It's a little late in the season, but I've been there lots of times. I have grandkids, did I tell you? So we go to the splash pad, and, and uh, they've got the water turned on. And one day they didn't have the water turned on. That was kind of a bummer. But anyway, uh, 
we were, the first time we were there, it was all turned on and the water was everywhere. And they have all these different kinds of fountains. And there's this big pail that gets full and then it dumps on you. That was like my favorite, you know what I mean? So you're underneath the pail and it is just so much fun on a hot day. It is like the spring of living water, right? That God is saying that when we're in a right relationship with him, when we're, when we're clean and when we're whole, that it's just like splashing around in the living water. But no, he says, you've done two things wrong. You've forgotten the living water and you've gone to a dry cistern. So you went out in the parking lot in the dirt and dug a hole. <laughs> and you put a little water in it and now you're splashing in the mud. That's sin. Okay, and it'll drain out and it'll leave you dry and then you'll have to go get some more water and you put some more water in there. And while you're doing it, it's fun. Don't get me wrong, okay? Like that's one of the things Christians try to pretend that sin's not fun. Sin is lots of fun, but it brings all kinds of consequences. Am I right? Sin is lots of fun at the time, in the moment, but what it does to you after is deadly. So here's what we've done. We have... We have forgotten about the spring and the fun and the life <laughs> that the living water we turned away from God's best for us and we've uh, created our own little mess and we content ourselves with that and you can go down the long list of ways in which people do that okay and then a few verses later in verse 19 I love this uh this powerful word from God. Your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me. God looks at his people who are splashing in the mud and he says, how's that working for you? You know, how's that working for you? Consider. Consider the evil and the bitterness. Consider the, the guilt and the struggle and the emptiness and the darkness. Consider what the price you're paying. And ask yourself if it's really worth it, you know. Because he gives us a solution, which is that we should have more awe of God. Here's the deal. When we are splashing around in sin and selfishness, we are neglecting the awesome and holy God. You know, God will not just be a minor player in our lives. Our, our walk with God should not be just mostly about me and what I want and my self-indulgence and, you know, and, and a little bit of God. God does not want to be a vitamin supplement. He wants to be our steady diet. He wants to be the center of who we are. So, when we have awe of God, when we lean into him, when we go hard after the positive, and say, God, I have, I have an issue here. Okay, this is the truth about me. What would it be like today if up on the big screen we played your worst moment? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Says the Bible. So we're not going to argue with that. We're not going to pretend. We're just going to admit 
I love the scripture that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love the fact that the all is at the cleanse. Okay? Now, let's go back through that verse. If we confess, what is confess? Con is with, fess is say. If I say with God, if I don't pretend, if I don't excuse myself, if I don't cover up, if I confess, if I say with God, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all, all. The all wasn't in the confess. I confess all I know to confess, right? I admit it. I am a sinner in need of a savior and I am so sorry and I get it. I see it and I choose to turn from it and I turn to you and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Clean. New. Alive. Alive in the awesome presence of the living water. That's what God wants for us. And instead of, of settling for substitutes or allowing evil to kind of dull the edge, you know, and drag us down and take the Take the edge off our faith. God wants us to be fully alive in him as we open ourselves up to him. And over the next few weeks, we are going to look at the fact that for every evil influence and every evil uh, impulse and action, there is a positive response and, and a, a better way. Galatians chapter 5, just real quick, we're going to look at this. This is the part that comes before the fruit of the Spirit, right? This is the evil part. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. You look at that list, all seven of the deadly sins are on that list in one form or another, okay? Keep going. I warn you as I did before. I'm sorry. Let's check the end of the scripture. As I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now here's the flip side. But the fruit of the Spirit is, would you read these out loud with me? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You won't get in trouble for being good. Okay, there's no downside. <laughs> there's no downside. And what is this? This is the fruit of the Spirit. This isn't something I work up. This is something God works in. Would you say that with me? This is not something I work up. This is something God works in. It works in. He works in my life. So at the end of every one of these messages, we are going to have what I call a come to Jesus moment, okay? Have you ever heard that expression? It's out there in the culture. You know, when I was at the business, I, we had a business meeting the other day, and we had a come to Jesus moment, okay? Now that is the secret word for the worship team to come up, because they're not coming, so it's not a secret anymore, okay? <laughs> that, that was the secret word, uh, the come to Jesus moment, Okay? Now, if your office or your friends or whomever has a come-to-Jesus moment, it isn't usually a come-to-Jesus moment. What do they mean by that? 
They mean we had a really honest gut level conversation about things that need to be said. We got in each other's face. We got really um, to a new level of transparency and honesty. We had a come to Jesus moment, okay? Well, guess what? We have real (laughs) come to Jesus moments. And real come to Jesus moments looks like this. God, the pastor is talking to me today. And there's stuff in my life that needs to change. And there's at least one of these issues in his mind. And today, I confess, I agree with you. Now, the Christian walk has both moments, defining moments of surrender and faith and disciplined movement where I say, in light of what God is doing in me, this is what I need to do now. So it means, you know, at the end of a Sunday service, if the Spirit of God is talking to you and you got some stuff you need to deal with, then you deal with it then and there. Okay? And he does a transforming, uh, radical God thing in you. But here's the rest of it. Then that next day, you get up and you live into that. And you say, you know, what I prayed yesterday, I mean today. And I'm going to do something about it today. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. I'm going to challenge you to memorize a verse every week. And this week's verse is, Who is the one who overcomes the world? Only the one who believes in that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the verse. 1 John 5.5. 5. And the reason I want you to know that verse is because I want you to know that God wants you to be an overcomer and that you can be an overcomer through Jesus. Okay? God wants you to be an overcomer and you can be an overcomer through Jesus. And he is on your side and he is for you. And if our God is with us, then who can be against us? I think I sang that today, didn't you? So our God is with us. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to defeat the power of sin and death. Jesus has overcome sin and evil. Aren't you glad? He has overcome it. Now, here's the deal. He wants to overcome it in you, in you, in me. And so we say, God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer of faith and surrendered to him, then this is your moment. Okay? This is where it begins. But if you have, and you are struggling in any area of your life, then the prayer is, God, change me, grow me, transform me. Forgive me right now, and forgive me tomorrow, and and I want to walk with you, and I want to lean into you, and I'm serious about this. Anybody here serious about this? So, Lord, Davison, Free Methodist Nation, a holy nation, a royal priesthood is here in your presence today. And we're all together in one service. And we are all hearing the voice of your Holy Spirit right now. And I pray that those of us who sense the convicting voice of the Spirit reminding us of our particular sin, of our struggle and defeat 
we would admit it to you right now. God, we need you. We need help. This is bigger than we are, but it's not bigger than you are. So right now, would you come and renew our heart, restore our faith, We confess to you that we need you and we ask that you would cleanse us from all sin, all sin, all sin. And we pray that we would lean into you, not just now, but day after day, week after week as we walk with you on this journey to be overcomers in Jesus Christ. And we claim right now the promise of your word that the one who overcomes is the one who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And we believe it. We believe you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Are you ready? Are you ready for the thing God wants to do? What if God has only begun the thing he wants to do in you? What if God has only begun the thing he wants to do in this church? I believe that today is a fresh beginning to a bright future with an awesome God. So in a few moments, we're going to go have fun together outside. Is that okay? That is very okay, right? And um, I'm going to encourage you to Talk about, have conversation about the things God is saying to us. I want you to take your uh, Overcomer bookmark. Would you take it right now? Make sure you don't leave it. If you have your Bible with you, put it in your Bible. Uh, you could put it in First John chapter 5, so you remember to memorize that verse. And then check on the church website. Check your email Monday morning. You should receive, if you're on the regular weekly email, you should receive uh, supporting help and encouragement. Steps to take to follow through with the Lord this week. Somebody asked me to remind you that Family Promise is coming. Does anybody know what that is? We host people here in the church, and I think it's coming fast, and I think we need some more help. So there's a table out there. Uh, while we're having lunch, you can sign up for that. I believe to go out to lunch, the, uh, the food will be under the carport area, and then the tables are out in the, in the tent on the front yard. Will you stand with me? Uh, let's own it by singing together. And uh, I think we're going to sing, and if our God is with us, uh, and our God is for us, and I can't wait, let's do it. <laughs>